Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Today. Today is Legacy Sunday. And for those guests, what does that mean? That means that today is the day where we get to participate in the transformation of our city, our church, our world, and our lives through the power of extravagant generosity. If you stay to the end of every service, we never ask for it, but that is when people who call Journey Church home give financially to the church, to God, through the church. And that's kind of what we call a what is offering, it generosity of people. But there is one way where we challenge people to give. And it's not a what is offering, it's a what if offering. It's not an offering that goes towards the thing we can see with our eyes, but it's an offering that goes towards the things we can see in our dreams. It's imagine if we could do this. Imagine if we rallied as a church together, the kind of impact we can make locally and across the globe. And it's not vague. We don't just say impact. We don't just say vision. We're very intentional. We've got five legacy lanes that the offering today is going towards and the impact that we're gonna make. The first is we wanna partner with local missions and local organizations. Local organizations such as outreaches, schools, correctional ministry, local ministry partnerships. In particular, we have the opportunity to partner with English Estates, which is our local elementary school. Principal Nancy and her husband are here today. They're joining us in service. And we're so glad that they're with us. And uh, we are excited about partnering. We asked them a couple of months ago. First off, we, we heard of the amazing things that were happening in the school. And we asked them a couple months ago if there was anything we can do to help further the mission of what you guys are doing and how you're taking care of outdated. They had to get rid of some computers because they couldn't even be hello. You know what I mean? Like, we got to fix that. And so um, we told her, hey, we can definitely uh, hand you a check for $5,000 for sure, guaranteed. But we hope that we raise enough money. We, we asked her how much would it cost to renovate the whole thing. And, and she found out. And she found out, and it was $30,000. And so what we believe is that uh, we're gonna be able to raise that today and be able to bless her and be able to bless the school and be able to encourage all those students. Our mission is to make Jesus accessible to anyone. And I think it's cool that we get to help make reading accessible to anyone as well, which is a big part of the mission. That's locally, nationally. We love planting churches all across the U.S. We've planted already over 200 churches, even some in central Florida. We're never in competition with another church. And so anytime we can give financially to start a church in Orlando and train, we do that. We've done that 200 times this year already. Globally, we help reach unreached people groups. We help translate the Bible into languages. We're paying for Bible translators right now to translate the Bible in a language that has not been written in yet. Construction and educational projects specifically, you gotta hear all the stuff your church is involved in. Flood relief in Thailand. We're renovating a school in Pereira, Colombia. We're making the entire school handicap accessible so that education can be accessible to students who could not get to the school before. Now can because they got ramps. In Ethiopia, we're building a church. We're laying down the groundwork specifically and doing the excavation. In North Africa, we're working with local ministries to provide free medical services to around 1,000 children and teenagers between the ages of 2 and 15 who suffer from cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, psychomotor delay, autism, most of these students are illiterate and come from single family, single parent homes. And our gift is going to make medical services free for them for up to a year, all of those students. And then finally, we're also partnering with some missionaries who come to our church who minister in Sri Lanka and they're there and they're ministering to people and they're helping to impact that community in a positive way, but we want them to come back home. So what we've done is we've identified 12 young leaders in their 20s who are ready to give their life to the ministry of Jesus. And so all we said is, if, if you guys would be pastors, we'll pay for your Bible college for a whole year. So 12 churches we're gonna end up starting in Sri Lanka. I hope one of them is named Journey, just one. That'd be cool. But if it's not, it's okay. All team Jesus, all team. And that's just, that's just across the world, across the city. What more could we possibly do? Well, how about the next generation? How about our sons and our daughters, our kids and our teenagers? If you go and look around this building, we have a third floor that is completely vacant right now. Nobody uses it. Nobody uses it. Some people think that ghosts live up there because nobody's up there. But, you know, we just, the Holy Ghost, he lives up there. Amen. And, uh, and so that whole third floor is vacant right now. We've got a bunch of middle schoolers. Did you guys see in the video? 42 teenagers made a decision to start a relationship with Jesus this year. We want to renovate that third floor. So
so that we can have a space, a space for kids in the community to come meet and not just make friends, but also meet Jesus and start a relationship with God. So part of the offering is gonna to go to help that. And then finally, expansion. We believe that God is calling Journey Church to expand our reach to the amount of people that we can share this wonderful life-giving message of Jesus Christ and hope and life with. And we're doing that by hopefully being able to prepare to purchase this building that we're in or start a second location in a neighborhood near you. Now, for those who don't know, because maybe you're a first-time guest, we do not own this building. We are actually tenants. We rent. And our lease can be up as early as next October. But we believe that God doesn't just have us here for a season. He has us here for a lifetime. He has us here forever. And so we decided that we want to try and buy this building. Now, that is so silly. You don't even know. And the reason why it's silly is because we've asked how can we buy if, if the building is for sale? It's not even for sale. We called the owner and we're like, hey, we want to place an offer. And they're like, it's not for sale. And we're like, well, just, you know, if it was, what would the offer be? It's like, doesn't matter. It's not for sale. So just so you know, we're placing an offer on a building that's not for sale with money that we don't have. Because <laughs> then we got another realtor who said, listen, they won't even tell us how much the building is worth. Can you tell us how much we would need to even get the owner to pick up the phone to even consider us this being our home? Because um, this wasn't always, you know, a church. I don't know if you've lived here very long, but this used to be an actual embedding center. People would lose their livelihoods here. We still have people that come here trying to place bets uh, at the church. This happens. Like we'll be in meetings and somebody would be like, I got eight on, eight, eight on horse, whatever. And we're like, sir, we don't take bets here. Unless you're betting on Jesus. You know what I'm saying? We take that bet all day, every day. And so our friend who comes to our church, who's a realtor said, you know what? Commercial real estate. He said, if you even wanted to make an offer, you would need at least $1.2 million for a 20% down payment. And we said, cool, 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 cool. Cool. And we looked at our bank account and in our bank account at church, we had $200,000. And I have been saying this every week with both sarcasm and faith. That means we only need $1 million. <laughs> Come on, somebody. But God can do it. God can do it. Not only do I believe God can do it, I believe God can do it today. I believe God can do it today. Let me just, let me just alleviate any of the fears. And you know right now, it's not about money at all. It's not even about building a building. It's about building lives. It's about the, the families that have been restored through this ministry and about the marriages that have found hope again through uh, this ministry. And if you brought your friend to church today, let me tell you, you brought him on the best Sunday possible because if you really want to convince someone that God is real, it's not about the preaching that they hear, it's the commitment that they see. And when you see people flooding the altar today with their gifts, um, you're going to know there's something to this Jesus thing. So I'm excited that you're here. It's about making a way for others, which is why all last five weeks, we have been in a series called Crosswalk, Crosswalk. The name of this series was inspired by a crosswalk that I saw online. This is an actual crosswalk. This is called the Shibuya Crossing in Japan. And when I first saw this crosswalk that happened to be in the shape of a cross, the Holy Spirit arrested me. He said, JJ, in the same way that cross made a crosswalk, I want you to know that when my son Jesus carried the cross, when he crosswalked, his crosswalk became a crosswalk for humanity to come across from death to life, from brokenness to restoration, from hopelessness to hope. And in the same way, his sacrifice built the bridge to life. The sacrifice that Journey Church brings on December 5th is going to bring to life all of those people we just mentioned. With this series, we're building a crosswalk for people to come across through our sacrifice. And playing off the name Crosswalk, I don't know if you've been enjoying this series, but we have been exploring five of the most famous walks in the Bible. We talked about Jesus walking. We've talked about Peter walking on water. We've talked about uh, walking around the walls of Jericho. Last week, we said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come from me. But today's walk, I'm excited to share about because you probably could have picked the last walks, because, you know, they're different. But this one is under the radar. Then nobody knew I was going to preach this one today. So today's famous walk in the Bible comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 19, verse 16 through 26. 16, verse, verses 16 through 26. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there, Matthew 19. If not, that's okay. We've got the verses behind me, and you can follow along. It goes like this. Another day, a man stopped Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Now, this is a great question because the man is saying that he believes in a life beyond this life and you should too. Because when this life is over, your life continues in two ways. One, it continues in the legacy you leave behind. 
How many people know that? You continue to live in the children you leave behind. If you don't have children, you continue to live in the lives that you impacted. You continue to, to, to live with the influence and the legacy that you leave behind. And so in one way, you continue to live by what you leave behind. But you don't just continue to live by what you leave behind. You also continue to live by where you're headed to. This man is saying that he believes that when he closes his eyes, that when we close our eyes, for the last time here on earth, that will not be the last time that we open our eyes. You know, when you fall asleep, you're not really sure when to close your eyes or when to fall asleep. You just know that you close them and then you know eventually you open them and you're there back in your room again. I want you to know that when you close your eyes here on earth for the last time, you will open your eyes again, but it will not be here on earth. It will be in the presence of God. Amen. You, you will open them again. And so, so the man is saying, I believe in that place called heaven. Or as we're going to find out, at least he says he believes in a place called heaven. Jesus is going to end up calling him out on this as we continue. Verse 17, Jesus said, why do you question me about what's good? God is the one who's good. And if you want to enter the life of God, just do what he tells you. Easy peasy. Be like God. Got it. Verse 18, the man asked, but what in particular do I have to do? And Jesus said, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as you do yourself. And the man said, done. <laughs> check, check, check. I've done all that, what's left? And this is our first cue that this man is absolutely 100% deceived. He's deceived. You, you never done none of that? So, okay, maybe you never murdered nobody. Maybe you never committed adultery. Maybe you never stolen, but you never lied. Let me tell you, you lying right now, bro. You lying right now. If you say you've never lied, you've never dishonored your mother and father. When she said, clean your room, you did it right away, all the way, and in a happy way, all the time. That's what we tell our kids. That's obedience. Right away, all the way, in a happy way. You can have it. We didn't create it. We took it for someone. No way, you are deceived. And you know what deceived is, right? What it means to be deceived, it's like lying, but different. Lying is when you're not telling the truth and you know it. Like when you look at that baby and you'd say, that baby's cute. <laughs> like, you know you're lying. Cause you know it. You know you're lying. Not your baby, your baby's adorable. <laughs> but you know you're lying. Deception is different. When you're, when you're deceived, you think you're telling the truth, but you don't know that you're lying. It's like when you say, my diet starts tomorrow. <laughs> you, you actually believe your diet starts tomorrow, but then tomorrow comes. And we all know it didn't start. <laughs> you know, while you're eating, you're like, 9 a.m. It starts at 9 a.m. <laughs> Pacific Standard Time. <laughs> you know, it's just like, that's what happens. And oh man, he's deceived. And so, so, but Jesus has to help him discover the depth of his deception. And so he does that in verse 21. He goes, all right, hot shot, Mr. Perfect, Mr. God, if you want to give it all you've got, then do this, sell all your possessions, give everything to the poor. That way, all your wealth will then be in heaven. Then come follow me. Verse 22, that was the last thing the young man expected to hear. And so he walked away sad for he had great wealth and holding on tight to a lot of the money for himself. Much like legacy offering, or legacy offering, he said, sell it and give it to the poor. He didn't want the man's money. He was using money as he often does to expose things in our heart that we didn't know were there. The man really believed that he believed in heaven, but Jesus showed him otherwise. It was like when a husband came up to me after service one day and he said, pastor, you have to help me. My wife always says she's going to leave me and I didn't believe her before, but now I do. And I said, well, why didn't you believe her before? And he said, because she never had her bags packed. I said, well, why do you believe her now? He said, because she has her bags packed. I think Jesus is looking at the young man and saying, I don't get it. You say you believe in heaven, but if you believe in heaven, why aren't your bags packed? If you believe in heaven, then why are you fighting with me to hold on to it? earth so much. If you honestly believe that there's a life after this life, then why not get ready? Why not pack your bags now if you're going? Why not get your bags ready and build treasure up there where you're going to spend the rest of eternity? Then down here, he's telling the rich young ruler, you're really good at talking the talk. Maybe you can guess the title of my sermon, but can you walk the walk? 
Today, I want to speak to you on the time you will ever walk in your life is when you walk the walk. Not when you prove it to mom, not when you prove it to dad, not when you prove it to the devil, not when you prove it to God, but when you prove it to yourself through your response to the adversities of life, how you respond. If you actually believe what you said you believed all along, when you walk the walk. When the disciples heard this, they were super discouraged because in the biblical times, if you were rich, you were considered righteous. Like, it's not like today where we think everybody who's rich is evil, like the Monopoly man, you know, it's just a bad person. Not at all. By the way, that's not biblical. But back in the day, if you were rich, it was the opposite mentality. The stereotype was that you must be righteous because you've got money and if you got money, then that means you're blessed. So when they saw this rich man get rejected, he couldn't make it to heaven. They started to get discouraged. Well, if he can't get into heaven, who can get into heaven? And so they looked at Jesus and it's about to turn. It's about to get real positive. They looked at Jesus and said, the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? They asked. Verse 26, Jesus looked at them intently and said, this is the verse. Now, I know I gave you my title already, but this is what I really want to preach about. Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, but with God, everything is possible. How many people believe anything is possible? Come on. You believe anything's possible? I definitely am one of those people who believe anything is possible. Like I believe anything is possible. I'm way confident. I'm like super uber duper confident. I am more confident than I deserve to be. Some might say I'm overconfident. Like this past week when I picked up baking. I was watching a one of those baking competitions with my wife on the couch. And I was like, I'm going to be a baker. I want a hobby outside ministry, outside of, you know, exercise. And I want, I want to bake. So my wife was like, cool, cool. And I was like, you know what I'm going to bake first? She was like, what? I was like, cheesecake. She looked at me. She said, a cheesecake. She said, you sure you don't want to start with the cookie? I said, what you mean start with a cookie? She goes, I mean, a cheesecake, babe. That's kind of, you've never baked before. A cheesecake. I said, excuse me? Remember what I told you? What I said? I said, what's my name? <laughs> Say my name. J.J. Vasquez. That's right. And if I put my mind to it, there's nothing in this world. You know what? I baked that cheesecake. Yeah, and I don't want to toot my own horn, but I toot toot. You know what I'm saying? It was it's a pretty good cheesecake. It was a pretty good cheesecake. A lot better than the cookies that came out the week after. Not good at all. But the cheesecake, I did it. You know, that's just me. Like, so I just think everything, I can do anything, anything is possible until last week. How many people know where I'm going with this? <laughs> I used to be wide-eyed and used to think I could change the world. And then I ran into these cursed Christmas lights because <laughs> I had that same energy that I had with the cheesecake when, when Pastor Liz said, hey, the Christmas tree is not working. The lights are off. I said, what's my name? Let me get at that Christmas tree right now. And I started messing with this. I probably spent three hours on that Christmas tree. And I took, I think I took off every bulb and, and replaced every, well, I got a special tool that checks like if the, if the electrical, I bought a tool because I thought anything is possible. I can fix this too. And I know now some things are impossible. Fixing your Christmas lights are impossible. I give up, okay? It's just not possible. And, uh, and, and, what, what hit, and what hit me was that I came at it with such optimism and such hope, but because of the frustration and the time spent, it converted. And what I thought and believed so naively was possible, I had to come to the tough grips was impossible. And here's my point. When did that moment happen for you? In what area of life did you approach with wide-eyed naivete, this, this optimism that anything can happen and then something in life shifted that belief inside of you? Where you thought it was possible and then through the life, maybe it's not possible. Like some of us, you know, we think our kids are going to become professional athletes. You know, we put them in sports and they're like the fastest kid, like on the soccer field. And then we're like, he's going to be a pro. Babe, it is totally possible. And you find out you put him in the wrong age group. <laughs> he was the fastest kid in the young age group. You get him in the right age group. He's the slowest kid. You're like, not possible. This is, 
Impossible. My kid's not making it in sports. Impossible. Or maybe, but you know what didn't come quick? QuickBooks didn't come quick. And you know what else didn't come quick? The sales didn't come quick. All of a sudden, what started off as a career, because you started at the entry level, then you became the floor supervisor. And then within a year, you were already one of, the, one of the managers there. But now it's been 15 years and you've been stuck in middle management now. Now all of a sudden, the ceiling to break past in your job feels impossible. You know, when someone gets married and they say those words in front of the pastor, till death do us part, when we say those words, that really feels possible. And then all of a sudden, something happens in life and in marriage and even spending one more year in the same house as that person feels impossible. Or maybe you go to the hospital with a loved one and you get a diagnosis you were not expecting and it terrifies you, but the doctor lays out all the treatments and he lays out the plan. And as you hear the treatments and the plan, all of a sudden it feels possible. Maybe we can overcome this. But then after months of treatment and no sign of progress, what started off feeling possible now begins to feel impossible possible, or maybe you have a a certain struggle, if it's uh, maybe a secret sin or addiction or a heavy depression or weight on your life. And when you're in church and the music is playing and pastor's preaching, it feels so possible to overcome until you get home. And then all of a sudden, what felt possible at church feels impossible at work. feels impossible at, at what? Here's the question I'd like to answer today as a community. What do we do in life when we are faced with the impossible? I think there's two ways to respond. You can respond like the young, rich young ruler responded. When he was faced with the impossible, he walked away. But it was never Jesus's intention to use the impossible to get the young man to walk away. Jesus wanted to use the impossible to get the young man to walk the walk, which is why he said, sell everything and follow me. The whole goal of it was to get him to walk the walk because sometimes God has to place you in an impossible situation for you to turn to him. Sometimes you have to come to the end of yourself before you can start finding the beginning of God. Sometimes you have to come to the end of your strength before you'll be willing to tap into the strength of God. Here's my first point, because impossible is not an impasse. It's an intersection. It's where your weakness meets God's strength. It's where your super meets God's supernatural. Because before you believe that God can do it, you have to believe that you can't. You have to believe that you can't first. It was like when I, I bought this puzzle for justice. Well, not this one in particular. We, we bought this one for this sermon like three hours ago. But the one that I bought for him was a Yoda. It was pretty dope. It was a Yoda puzzle, 1,000 pieces. And I bought it for him because I used to do puzzles with my dad and I thought this would be cool for us to do together. But he was going through a real independent phase. So when I brought him the puzzle, he was like, I want to do it. And I was like, me too. He was like, no, I got it. I want to do it. Let me do it, dad. I want to do it. And I'm like, but I want to do it with you. He goes, no, I want to do it. So I was like, fine, do it. And I walked away because I knew it was just a matter of time. So he opens up this, he had never seen a thousand piece puzzle before. So he opens up the box and he sees this. And after he sees that, he goes, I need help. (laughs) It took him seeing the pieces to realize he needed the help. Maybe that's why sometimes life has to fall to pieces before we'll ask for help. Maybe that's why sometimes our finances have to fall to pieces before we turn to God for help. Maybe that's why that relationship that we've been in for years has to fall to pieces before we can turn to God to help. Maybe that's why our health has to fall to pieces before we can turn to God for help. Because if we think we can do it on our own, we'll never turn to him. Do you know three of the easiest places to preach? I have found, and I have preached in many places and in many different countries, three of the easiest places to preach. You'd never guess. They're not the funnest places to preach, but they're the easiest places to preach. Are hospitals, jails, and funerals. They're not fun. It is emotionally taxing to be in those environments. I'm just saying, I don't have to preach long or strong to see a response from people because they are so, they're just ready. They tried to put life together by themselves and they could not do it. So they are ready. Maybe that's why our world, is it just me or does the world feel like it's coming to pieces, huh? First we had the beta 
Then we had the Delta. Then we had the Gamma. Then we had the Mu. Now we got Omicron. Then we're going to have Megatron. Then we're going to have Phi and Kappa. Maybe it's going to take all the Greek letters until we turn to the Alpha and the Omega. And we start realizing... As much as I love this country, and as much as I believe in science, an epidemiologist isn't going to get us out of this. And a, and a politician isn't going to write a, 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 a check big enough to fix this issue. We need God. Someone in America has to say, we don't, we're, it's in pieces, and no one can do this but the Lord. That's why the verse says, Matthew 19, 26, humanly speaking, it's impossible, but with God, it is possible with him. And so maybe he had to get us there so we could get with him. Huh? Because that was my son. The moment I did it, the moment I, the moment I said, I'll do it, my son walked away. I said, Justice, where are you going? He goes, well, I can't do it. I go, well, I mean, well, I can do it for you. But I didn't buy this puzzle to do it for you. I want to do it with you, puppy. So let's sit down and do it together. Here's my second point. Because impossible is not the end of progress. It's an invitation to partner. God has put you in an impossible place in life because he wants to partner with you. Not do it for you, but do it with you. He wants to do it with you. And so, and when Justice and I started doing it together, I got, I got Zane over and I got Zane to come over because I, I really wanted the whole family to do it. And you know what that's called, right? When the father gets the brothers and the sisters together to build something cool. Uh-huh, you said it. That's called to build something that the brothers and sisters couldn't build on their own. Why? Because what's impossible for me is possible for we. There are things I cannot, that's why I love the local church because of the power of we. After the first service, we had one of our dream teamers meet me in the green room, you know, and, and, uh, and you in tears. And you just said, I just want to say thank you. You have no idea how much this church has saved my life. And I just want you to know, pastor, it's not you. It's not you. It's not you. I'm like, you don't have to keep saying that. <laughs> You know, Pastor, it's not you. And I go, you know why you don't have to say that? I know it's not me because this church changed my life. So I know it's not me at all. It's not me. It's the power of we. When we get together, y'all, every time we get together, anything can happen. Two months ago, Pastor Jenny was preaching. I wasn't preaching. Whenever I'm not preaching, that means I'm out in the lobby more because I get to meet people and talk to people. And I was so, you know, burdened by having to share the word. And this is the joy of my life, but it's heavy. And so, but I, I'm not preaching. So I'm out there just talking to people. Service is starting. I'm saying hi. And this husband and his wife come over and they got a baby in the stroller. And it was legitimately cute baby. It's a cute baby. And they come over and I say, hi to the baby. How is it so cute? And, uh, and I say, hey, how you doing? And she starts crying. That's why it's dangerous for me to be out there in the parking lot. Y'all just, y'all take advantage of me. Y'all don't even wait. <laughs> And I'm out there. You just, I'm just kidding. I love my job. I love that I get to be there for you. So we started talking and, um, and she was crying. I said, what's wrong? She said, well, this is my husband. This is my baby. You just had the baby. And my husband, we've been married for some time now. And I had no idea. My husband used to suffer from seizures. And this week, the baby's home now from the hospital. He's had three seizures this week. He didn't have them for years. He had three seizures this week. She said, I'm overwhelmed because I don't have to take care of a baby and I'm taking care of my husband. And I don't know that I have the strength and the energy. I don't know what to do. I said, me neither. But we got we. So let's we pray for your husband. So we laid hands on her husband and we prayed for her husband. And then I didn't see them for two months. And I thought, must've been a bad prayer. <laughs> Until last Sunday, I saw him in the lobby again, but this time she wasn't crying. She was smiling, big old smile. She said, pastor, two months ago, you prayed for my husband. And I want you to know it's been two months. He had three seizures that one week. He has not had one seizure since we prayed for him. Not one. Not one. Why? Because what the doctor says is impossible for me. God says it's possible for we. Where two or three gather in my name, whatever they ask for on earth shall be done in heaven. Now, I know, I know when I share a story about supernatural healing, that's when the cynics come out. And it's not even your fault that you're cynical. You had someone in your life who you prayed for and they didn't get any better. And I recognize that and I respect that. And I just want you to know if anybody has the right to complain on that, it's this guy right here who, don't forget my story now, who lost his son seven hours after being born. And we were praying for that baby for months and God didn't do it. But just because it was impossible for me, doesn't mean it's not possible for we. He did it in a we. 
So don't look back at your past and let that be the limiting governor on what God can do in your future. Because when history says it's impossible for me, God said, no, mess up. You've owed money. You've never been able to hold on a job. And now the future is, is limited by your perception of who you were. Don't let history be your prophet. The word of God is the one that declares the truth over your life. Again, don't forget who your pastor is. Your pastor is a recovered, or I should even say recovering, porn addict for years. And you know what delivered me? Not me. We got in a small group. I started seeing a counselor. I 21 days of prayer and fasting with people laying hands on me. And God delivered. I am the poster child for what history says should always be. That should be me. Yet here I am. Because what history says is impossible for me, God says it's possible for we. This church is an impossibility. Take a look around you. You've got white people, you've got black people, you've got brown people, you've got young people, you've got wise people. See what I did there? You've got rich people, you've got poor people, you've got middle income people. You, I, I love it. Why is it an impossibility? Because the world says that we ought to be divided by, based on who we voted on. That we ought to be divided based on our vaccination status. A church like this should not exist. But I love Journey Church because it takes you a couple weeks to try and figure out what kind of church we are. I think you know you're doing church right when you go on week one and you can't quite tell. You know what I'm talking about? You know, it's like you come and you're like, well, he shouted one time, honey, I think they might be Pentecostal. <laughs> but the service finished on time, so they're probably Baptists. <laughs> Ah, you can't tell. You know what kind of church this is? This is the church that looks like heaven, that's diverse in all of its representation. But it should not be possible according to what we hear in the news. But what the world says is impossible for us. God says it's possible for we. God says it's possible for we. Here's my third point. Impossible is not your limitation. It's your legacy. I need to talk to somebody who's in an impossible situation right now and you think it's the end of your story. It's not the end of your story. It's the part of your story that everyone's going to remember when they talk about you. You know what I'm saying? Like this week has been crazy. Like you lost your job, your house burned down, you blew a tire, you know, and you got sick. Yeah, but out of all of those limitations and then you take, because what's impossible to do is impossible. Rich, rich young ruler, remember his name? The one we talked about in Matthew 19? Anybody remember his name? Remember his name? My Bible theologian's that. You remember his name? <laughs> you got it. You got it. I said, you remember the name of the rich young ruler? He said, yeah, rich young ruler. Exactly. Because his name's not in the Bible. Because nobody remembers it. But the word rich young ruler is in the Bible another time, but this time connected to a person's name. Look at Matthew chapter 27, verse 57. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea, a rich man from Arimathea. There's a single woman right now in church who just received that in Jesus' name right there. <laughs> Someone just said, rich man from Arimathea. <laughs> Here's the part I want you to focus on. Named Joseph. Rich, rich guy. This just goes to show it has nothing to do with wealth. But his name is remembered. Why? What did he do different that the rich young ruler didn't do? Who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and placed it in his own new tomb. So the tomb that Jesus is ended up getting buried in is actually Joseph's of Arimathea, the rich young ruler, his tomb. Now they're different people, but we know this guy's name, which is crazy when you think about it because a gravestone is literally how people remember you when you die. And what the young man was saying, the rich guy, Joseph, he was saying, I'm willing to live my life in a way that gets forgotten on earth so that I'll be remembered in heaven. Because the goal isn't to live on earth forever, but to leave something that does. And we know his name to this day, Joseph of Arimathea. He gave so that Jesus could do a miracle. And my dad, uh, he's a construction worker and he used to be a construction worker, a maintenance man. And he worked at this place in New York City and he went up to the top of the building that he worked at and on the water tower, he painted the words, I love JJ and Liz 
but that was not a prophetic utterance for my future wife. My mom's name is also Liz. So he wrote, I love JJ and Liz. And every time we would drive from Brooklyn to Staten Island to go to church, we would go on the highway. And he would always point it out. He'd go, look, look, son, look, I love JJ and Liz. I love JJ and Liz. I, every Sunday for years, I love JJ and Liz. I love JJ and Liz. I love JJ and Liz. And one Sunday we drove from church, we drove from home to church and it was gone. I guess the owner had painted over it which he should have done. I mean, I used to be real proud of my dad when I saw it, but now I realize he was a criminal. <laughs> it's, it's a vandal. Painted over, it was gone. That's what I'm asking. What are you building here on earth that's just gonna get painted over by somebody one day? What are you spending so much time investing in right now that's just gonna get painted over by somebody one day that nobody will ever remember, that everyone will ever forget? Yeah, that was impressive what he did, but it, what he did wasn't impossible. A lot of people could have got up there but he did do something impossible that will be remembered forever. You know what he did that was impossible? He's one of 12. He grew up in an abusive home. And of the one of 12, he's the only person of all the siblings that has a relationship with Jesus. How about my mom? She did something that's impossible. She's one of 10. In her home, she grew up in an abusive home, physically, mentally abusive home. Out of the 10, she's the only one who has a relationship with Jesus. 22 aunts and uncles, they're the only ones cheating on them. My family, my His legacy is not a water tower. You're sitting in his legacy right now. Journey Church is here because of the impossible thing that he did. It produced impossible things. And now his legacy is Journey and JJ and Vicky and Lily and Mia and Justice and Zane. Your legacy will be what you leave behind, the people that you impact in your life. So make sure that the things that you're investing in are the things that go beyond you. The things that we remember, I waited till this service to say it because I knew they would only be here in this service. But I remember when we first shared uh, the idea of Journey Church and we, we, we only told a couple of people it was just an idea. And uh, we had some friends uh, named Eddie and Alyssa. And we told Eddie and Alyssa this idea and they were so excited. So I remember we told them at a Dairy Queen or a Carvel or something like that. It was one of the ice cream shop. And we told them at the ice cream, they were like, what, no way, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, cool. You need people like that, you know, who are like, I'm in, this is crazy, but let's all die together. You need people like that, you know? <laughs> that, was, that was their attitude. And, then, and so one day, uh, you know, out, out of the blue, a couple of weeks later, he, uh, he calls me up and he goes, hey, you guys want to go to Orlando City soccer match, which I had never been to a soccer match in my life. And I thought, oh, I heard that they're pretty fun, so we'll go. So we went. And in the middle of the game, it was Pastor Liz, myself, Eddie and Alyssa. In the middle of the game, um, Eddie and Alyssa look over and say, hey, we just want you to know, we wanted you to come out the game because we really love you and we're thankful for everything you've done for us in our marriage, but also um, here. And they had in us an envelope. And uh, we opened up the envelope and it was a check for $1,000. And they're young. They just got married. They don't have $1,000. That was the first gift ever sown into Journey Church history. And in a little bit, we're gonna hand the principal a check. And I just want you guys to know that one check has been multiplied over and 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 over. It's multiplied in this room. It's multiplied in this room, but it's also multiplying throughout the community. That's legacy. That's legacy that when you go, the thing you invested in keeps going and it keeps impacting and it keeps changing. Pack your bags. If heaven is heaven, then pack your bags. Then let's go and let's get ready for heaven then. Let's make as much impact as we can on this earth so that what we do on earth is seen in heaven. Possible. It's impossible. It's legacy. Possible. You know what I love about the story of Joseph, by the way? He didn't have to actually resurrect Jesus. I mean, it's crazy. If you go to Jerusalem and I went, there's a line of people waiting outside Joseph's tomb right now, paying money to go see it. Because <sighs> a miracle happened there, the resurrection of Christ. But you know, Joseph, he didn't have to resurrect Christ to do the miracle. All he had to do was give up the tomb. Why? Because my final point, impossible is not what God asks you to do. It's what he asks you to make space for. It's what he asks you to make space Joseph didn't have to resurrect Jesus. He just had to make space for the resurrection to take place. Here's my tomb. 
Do with it what you will, God. The funny thing about a tomb is it's empty. So it's almost nothing. Take what I have, do what you will, Lord. Because when we do what's possible, God will do what's impossible. God will do what's impossible, which is really where this sermon hits your heart. Because many people say that they believe for the impossible, but don't have the same faith to believe for the impossible than they do to do the possible. So what am I saying? They say that they'll, they'll believe that God can restore their marriage, but they don't have enough faith to go to marriage counseling. They believe in the impossible, but they don't have the faith to do the possible. Many people believe God can, God, you can break this addiction, but you don't believe enough to enter yourself into rehab. God, I believe you can answer prayers, but you don't believe enough to actually pray. God, I believe that the next house, the bigger house is going to be even bigger and better, but you don't have the faith to tithe from the little house that you just sold. You, you got to, I, and by the way, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. Like this is the encouraging part of my sermon. Because what I'm really telling you is not to be overwhelmed by what seems impossible because God isn't asking us to do the impossible. He's simply asking us to do what's possible, which is what we're doing here at Journey Church. A million dollars, come on, in one day, that's impossible. I know. Somebody like, my pastor's got crazy faith. I know. It's impossible, but that's okay. God's not asking any of us to do the impossible. He's only asking us to do what is possible. And it might be impossible to raise a million, but you know what is possible? Maybe not raising a million, but giving away what we have, which is what we want to do as a church right now. So our principal, Nancy, if you'd be so kind, uh, and your husband's welcome to come up as well. We'll lead you up here. We have something for you. Amen. Thank you. Principal Nancy, thank you so much for taking time to be with us. We really appreciate you taking the time. We love English Estates. For those who don't know Principal Nancy's story, she was a student at the school. I was. That is so crazy. And then an intern there. Yes. And now you're the principal. I know. Completely full circle. Come on. God did have a vision for it. I think there's something to be said about longevity. Uh, and so we have a gift for you. And we just wanted to say thank you for everything that you and the teachers and the, all the staff at English Estates do. And it's uh, not much, but it's what's possible. I know we told you, we guaranteed you at least $5,000. But before you came today, I, I met with our finance team. And uh, don't peek. I met with our finance team. And, and I, asked, I asked our finance team, which really it's one person. Her name's Karina. I said, I don't want to know what we can give. I want to know what's possible. She said, well, that, that's a different question. I said, yeah, well, what's possible? They need $30,000. What's possible? She said, well, I mean, $30,000 is possible, but it's, it's possible. And I said, well, if it's possible, then we definitely want to do what's possible. So $30,000 on behalf of Journey Church for you and your students. You're welcome. Let me take a picture here. Thank you so much. We love you. We love your students. And um, don't, don't deposit that. The real check is waiting for you. <laughs> Pastor Jenny has it. Thank you again. You really are making a difference on the lives of people. You Thank you. you Our church loves you. Come on. Give Jesus praise. Come on, Jesus praise. Take a seat. Take a seat. Listen. That, that, that's, that was what was possible. And we haven't even collected the offering yet. But that's okay. Because you know, Channel 6 News is here today to, to hear the story. And they're going to ask me when this is over, why would you do that? And I just think it's because the story of the church throughout the history of humanity has been Jesus loves you. But you, know, you can only talk to talk for so long. Eventually, you got to walk the walk. And so that's what we're doing. That's why because we want to walk the walk. Jesus loves, Jesus loves Seminole County and Jesus loves English Estates and Jesus loves those teachers and he loves those students and Jesus loves reading. And this is how he shows you that he loves you. We want to walk the walk. and We love our, our community so, so, so much. I'm going to ask my wife to come up if you would be so kind. And um, really quickly, while she's up here, maybe you're in a season of life where you feel like it's impossible where turning your life around today seems like the furthest thing that can happen because you're so far gone 
Like this is your first time in church in a long time. And you're like, I don't even know, can God even do it in me? Can I even, can I get to heaven? Maybe you feel like that rich young ruler. You don't feel perfect, you know you're messed up. And you're like, I don't think I can make it. I wanna tell you, if it feels impossible for you, you're just one possible step away. And that's repentance. That's just turning, raising your hand, saying, God, I wanna give you my life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, before we transition into our generosity moment, if you're here today and you're ready to do what's possible, raise your hand and then let God do what's impossible, change your heart, then this is prayers for you. On three, raise your right hand to the sky. If that's you, all over this building, on three, you wanna give your life back to Jesus. One, two, three, right now, raise your hand high. Come on, I see that hand, I see that. And I see those tears too. And I see that, I see that hand and I see those tears. Amen, I see your hand. You're not alone. There's people all over the auditorium raising their hand with you. Put your hand down, we wanna pray with you. If you raise your hand and even if you didn't, pray this brief prayer with me. Father God, Father God. I am impossible but I also believe in the impossible forgive me Jesus for I have sinned today I turn away from my old life in this name we pray amen and amen give it up for all those who raise their hand make sure you go to the black so that you can get connected to the life here at Journey Church and, and uh, we'll get your Bible so you don't have to be alone we can help walk this with you out well if you would do me a favor one kindness please nobody leaving yet let's honor this is a holy moment um, it, if you're in the front, it's on the seat. But if you're sitting in the seats right in front of you, you're gonna see two cards. One is a rectangle and the other is a square. One is a rectangle and the other is a square. I know a square is a rectangle, but bear with me, okay? One looks like this and one looks like this, all right? And uh, so go ahead and reach. And even if you're not participating, like if you're a first time guest, this is no pressure, but it's gonna be pretty cool to watch. But it just uh, entertain me, would you? Humor me, just join us. Just go ahead and pull it out. Just look at it. Just read along with me. And I wanna show you two cards. The first card is this square right here. We've got pens there. This is what we're calling our impossible prayer card. It's got the verse that we've, we're honed in on today, Matthew 19, 26. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God. Somebody say, with God. With God. Everything is possible. And then it says, I believe God can do the impossible. I have faith that. Here's what we want you to do in just a moment. We want you to actually write down something that seems impossible today that you believe God can do next year. Talking about restoration, talking about a family member who's far from God, talking about healing from depression, anxiety, um, something that seems so far gone, a restoration in your family, for dad to come back home, for the sickness to be eliminated, something that seems impossible. Like, and I bet you it doesn't take long for you to grab that. And once you've got that impossible prayer, you're gonna, then you want you to take this card, put it behind. Now you have your commitment card. This commitment card has a place for your information. And then it asks everyone who feels comfortable to take at least one of two steps. Step one, if you, not, if you don't already, is to begin the biblical Christian practice of what the Bible refers to as tithing or giving back to the Lord, returning the first 10% of your income back to Him to say, thank you for all that you've given me, God. My wife and I are 10%, our 20% tithers ourselves. We're not trying to brag. We just want you to know like we lead the way in generosity. Um, this is a nonprofit, by the way. None of the money comes to me. We, we just love to be generous. God's been so good to us. So that's what we do. So if you haven't begun tithing yet, we pray that today you'd consider taking that step, but pray about it. Or if you already are a tither, like my wife and I are, there's a second box you can check. And it says, you know what? I'm already a tither, but today I wanna give one gift above and beyond the tithe. I wanna give that gift gift beyond. That's what we're doing today. We've got a check that we've been holding for three services to put in, to put in there. Uh, and we're going to be the first people to lead the way in our giving. And then when you have both of them, I want you to take it and I want you to walk up to one of these two. And before you put it in, make a little impossible prayer. Whatever's on that card, Father God, I believe you can do it. Why? Put it on the screen. Because when you do what's possible, look, what's possible becomes the for what's impossible. When we do what's possible, what's possible becomes the crossroad for what's impossible. Now I said do what's possible, not what's comfortable. Some of you think possible is the five in your pocket. If five in your pocket is, 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 what, is what you got and, it, and that's everything for you, that's cool. That's what's possible, awesome. But possible and comfortable is two different things. And I, 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 can, I can talk like this boldly to you because this money's not for me. It's for what you saw and it's for everything that we mentioned before. And so I wanna encourage you and challenge you to do that. Give what's possible, not just what's comfortable. Then the worship team is gonna play 
And you're gonna have about five minutes, honestly, just to think about it and write down. Some of you are already ready. You brought your card already ready. That's cool. You've been here for five weeks. Some of you just got here and you're like, I wanna be a part of this. You can talk with your spouse about it. You can pray about it. So we're gonna give you time. You're gonna come down these two center aisles. You're gonna put it in. They're gonna come up the other aisles and then nobody leave yet. Nobody, the service is not over. I wanna do one more last prayer, prayer blessing. And then you can go home. Um, and so I wanna pray for you right now that God would do that. And then there's a QR code that comes up on the screen. So after you make your commitment on paper, you can actually make your commitment uh, by just scanning that QR code. Um, if you're watching online, you actually have one of these cards digital. So you can actually put your impossible prayer in. Oh, here's the best part, I almost forgot. Our prayer team is gonna be taking your impossible prayer card and we're gonna be praying for it every week of 2022. That what you asking for, God would do something amazing. Amen? Can I pray for you? Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. Thank you for doing impossible things. Father, we have come to the end of ourselves in so many areas of our life. Romantically, we've come to the end of ourselves in a lot of areas. Financially, we've come to the end of ourselves. Career-wise, we've come to the end of ourselves. In our search for religion and truth, we've come to the end of ourselves. Some of us, even in our health, we've come to the end of ourselves. We're faced with an impossible need, but today we offer for the impossible. It's just what's possible. And we believe that what's possible will become a crosswalk for the impossible. Do what you do, Lord. We thank you in advance for everyone's yes and their generosity for the 100% participation we're experiencing today. Bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.